What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals wide receivers John Ross and T. Higgins back in action in training camp with Ross returning from the COVID list and Higgins stepping up his participation in practice. The Bengals also had tryouts for four free agents. We'll get you caught up on those news and some practice notes. Then we'll get into Joe Burrow's performance, as has been our habit in this training camp period. We'll get you caught up on how he did in segment two today. Then in segment three, the rest of the team also out there practicing. The media had a great view of offensive linemen one-on-one drills today. There's some big shakeups happening around the NFL, including the AFC North. So we'll take a look at some of those moves around the division as well, because those do affect the Bengals. But let's get started with a couple of Bengals tryouts today. John Ross has returned to the team and T. Higgins stepping up his participation in practice. The Cincinnati Bengals tried out four players today, two offensive linemen and two defensive backs. The offensive linemen included Frederick Mauigoa, a college free agent who was previously with the Carolina Panthers. There were some concerns about his strength, whether or not that would play in the NFL. He gets another chance to catch on in Cincinnati. They also tried out Khalil McKenzie, who is the son of Dolphins personnel executive Reginald McKenzie. Has some football in his veins. The two defensive backs, one safety, one cornerback, including safety undrafted free agent Garrett Taylor, who originally signed with Buffalo, and Maurice Smith, a cornerback from Georgia who's been in the NFL bouncing around practice squads for a couple of years. But James, there's much more exciting news because I don't think any of these guys are threatening the 53-man roster. But two guys that are going to be on the 53-man roster, T. Higgins returned to action and returned to team activities on Sunday. It was the first time since the Bengals practiced in full pads that he was able to do so. He was battling that hamstring. wasn't full go, but was close. And uh, it was good to see the rookie get some reps out there on the field. And speaking of good to see, it was good to see number 11, John Ross. He passed through a COVID-19 protocol which entailed three different negative tests after he landed in Cincinnati on Thursday morning. And he was out there with the team on Sunday as well, Jake. And he looked quick. He looked explosive. He looked strong. And look, he's certainly rusty after being gone for about 10 days or so from the team. But you could certainly tell the gear he has that these other guys don't have. And that includes A.J. Green, who I saw last week before he tweaked that hamstring. So it was good to see him back on the field, and it's good to hear that his family is healthy, which allowed him to return to the team in Cincinnati. And he emphasized the importance of his family. He said there was no thought at all. The only thing that he thought about before he went back to California to take care of his three-year-old son was, oh, do I have time to tell the team first before I get on a plane? And so he just got out of there, went to take care of his son. Father first, he said. He comes back to the team. And the word that I saw to describe him today that I really liked was smooth. They called him smooth in and out of his routes, which is always good to hear when you have a guy with Ross's speed and agility. He's getting that separation, which is how he has to win in the NFL. That's his skill set. And I, I like the juxtaposition of a guy like John Ross and Auden Tate on the same roster. Getting these guys back is 
fantastic for Burrow, right? Who has been throwing to receivers without his top four guys for the most part in the last couple of days in training camp, Tyler Boyd being the exception to that rule. So getting more weapons, getting that chemistry going, learning the body language as Joe Burrow puts it, positives a couple of weeks away now from the regular season starting. It's huge because they need to get into a rhythm. They need to, to build that rapport, especially a guy like Ross who does look confident, who does have uh, all of the ability in the world. And we don't deny that, right? But there's been confidence issues. There's been injury issues. But smooth is a good way to describe him on Sunday because I don't think he was doubting himself at all. And I've watched him throughout his career. And there's certainly, especially during the first two seasons of his career, uh, there was some doubt there. And I did not see that in the, the Zoom call with the media. Uh, very matter of fact, sure about himself, direct about what he needed to do, including his fifth year option. And I think this stood out more than anything. He said he didn't blame the Bengals for not exercising that fifth year option and that he understood that he needed to prove to them that he could stay healthy and make plays weekly and, and be on the field for 16 games and be consistent. So I think he's in a good headspace, as he put it with me when I talked to him in May. And uh, hopefully he can stay healthy and we can see what number 11 can do with Joe Burrow all season long. Really good to hear that about John Ross's confidence. His mental struggles have been well documented. He's been very open about it. I also want to acknowledge the fact that the answer he gave to that question, I'm not surprised they didn't pick up my fifth year option. I can understand why they did it. That's some pretty blunt honesty from a guy who knows he's in a contract season, wants to earn that next deal, whether it's in Cincinnati or elsewhere. And you really hope that as he says, the, the number one goal, be healthy for 16 games, because if he is, the numbers should certainly follow. Today's episode is brought to you by Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction is never easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or use excuses like I had a long day at work, or I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about. You get access to a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and it's totally discreet. With Roman, you can get free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship to you with free two-day shipping. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. The Bengals continued their training camp practices on Sunday, and while Ross and Higgins returned to the field, Joe Burrow had his ups and downs, Jake, and uh, you know, I don't put much concern into it, but, you know, there were a couple interceptions, a couple incompletions that we wouldn't have saw Friday because he was more locked in, more consistent, more accurate. Overall, I I'll chalk it up. And again, it's this is just me. I'll chalk it up to him being a rookie and having some up and down days. And Sunday felt more like a down day for, for number nine. Do you get concerned? I mean, I know you weren't there, but when you read about Joe Burrow having his, his little struggles during 7-on-7 seven seven or 11-on-11. 11 11. I love that you use the word little before you say the word struggles because <laughs> I, I think that's exactly where I am, right? Like, So I read 
Ben Baby, who keeps meticulous stats, we're learning this training camp. And he has Joe Burrow going 5 of 9 with one interception and three sacks in 11 on 11 today. I think he had another interception in 7 on 7. He said that he thought that Burrow's sacks today were due to coverage, holding the ball a little bit too long. He said he managed only nine attempts on 14 dropbacks in the 11-on-11 period. So there's a couple things that could be at play here. One of them is Joe Burrow's trying to extend plays. We know this is something that he's going to try to do. And, and maybe today he's just trying to push the issue a little bit, right? Let his guys have extra time to get open. The other thing is maybe it's just a good day for the defense. Maybe it's a rookie day. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on here, right? And one thing that's evident on the other side that I will say is something that you have to chalk up to just good defense is primarily Carlos Dunlap, man. He's, he's killing dudes in this training camp. All the clips I've seen, Carlos Dunlap is winning his pass rushing reps. He's, he's had two batted passes now that have gone to interceptions. He's going to have another year where he leads the world in batted passes as he's done for like the last decade. And he just shows no signs of really slowing down. And it, it's funny. We don't, we don't talk about Dunlap and really what he needs to do and or what he needs to bring. We're talking about so many other things, you know, what, what's DJ reader going to add to the defensive line, but a guy like Dunlap, not that he has another gear than we've seen, but I think he, his goal every year now should be consistent through 16 games because he has these these lulls where he's really effective and he's batting passes down and he's disrupting and he's really wrecking havoc uh, across the offenses in Bengals opponents. And then there are games where he just kind of disappears. And, and that's been the case, and I'm not ripping him. That's just the reality of it, and I think that's part of just being a pass rusher at times. But with this defensive line, with other guys around him, you do wonder, can he be just a tad more consistent? And, and I don't think it's a a bad thing to see him being disruptive. Uh, you know, it doesn't reflect be- poorly on uh, the Bengals left or right tackles and Jonah Williams or Bobby Hart, uh, you know, because to me, Dunlap is at that level. And I, I do think it specifically Jonah Williams has held his own in one-on-ones when I've seen him go up against Dunlap, but certainly number 96 is winning some. And, and, and honestly, if Dunlap can be that disruptive in practice, not only does it set himself up for success, but it gets all of these guys from Jonah Williams to Joe Burrow ready for what it's going to be like week one, ready for what it's going to be like week two and every week after that going up against a, an NFL pass rush. Yeah, I think it's it's exactly exposing one of Jonah's weaknesses is, is Carlos is a long, tall, big player. And if you're going to beat Jonah Williams, it's going to be with power and it's going to be with inside counters. And in the words of, of Ryan Coyle, Royal Redlegs on Twitter, hat tip there. But, I mean, I agree with him, and that's always been the report on on Jonah Williams. And all the clips and all the photos that I've seen, and, and there have been still images and there have been videos of this, I've seen Carlos Dunlap going to the inside move against Jonah Williams. Everybody else is trying to run around him outside. They're, they're not having that kind of success. Carlos Dunlap, Sam Hubbard, they're not beating him around the edge as far as I've seen. I know you've seen more than me because you're there. But but for my observations, that is something that that's something that, that Jonah's gonna have to work on. And that's something that he's gonna face in the AFC North. Uh, guys like Miles Garrett, guys like TJ Watt, they're they have the moves to counter and come inside. They have the bull rush. So this is something that is good for him to get exposure to because he has to get better at it. Absolutely. I mean, I can't really think of 
other than going to the Pro Bowl and, and trying to battle those guys when it, <laughs> I don't know how you get a better dose of reality and welcome to the NFL than dealing with a freak like Carl Lawson regularly. And then a guy like Dunlap who uh, I'll give you an example today. And this is one of the fun parts about being there at training camp. Mike Daniels lost one of his one on one matchups. And by the way, one of the most intense dudes ever during one on ones yeah. is number 76. This dude was dropping F bombs. And, and I love it because he's really into it. Really wants to show that, you know, that he's that dude still. And Dunlap takes another veteran, another pro bowler in Daniels, and chats with him on the side and, and explains to him what he saw and what he could do better. Like, think about that. I mean, it's not like Daniels is this, you know, first, second, even fifth year guy. He's a veteran. He's a pro bowler. And uh, so so I think that, that, that that's just another element uh, that I noticed uh, today during training camp that Carlos Dunlap was doing. And it wasn't the first time that I've seen that. Uh, so this uh, this guy, number 96, we know he's really good, but but he's certainly leading as well. So our, our Joe Burrow segment there kind of turned into a Carlos Dunlap segment <laughs> because he, I think he's having a really good camp and, and his name is coming up a lot and we haven't talked about him nearly enough for one of the better defensive players on the team. Joe Goodberry actually today tweeted, Carlos Dunlap's the best defensive player on the team. And, and I don't know if I'm there or if I'm not there, but I can certainly see the argument for it. And, and that's a conversation worth having. But let's get back to Joe Burrow a little bit today. You were there. I know you said that the 11-on-11s were a lot of the times on the opposite side of the field. Did you get a feel at all for was it Burrow trying to extend plays? Was it, was it that the offensive line was moving? Was it that receivers weren't separating? Was it that he was getting tricked? Could you tell? It, it was hard to tell, so I'll preface it with that. But from what I saw, well, one, I, th- I think part of it is is you're bringing a guy like T in into the mix here a little bit. And there's going to be an adjustment period. The same thing goes for Ross. Uh, honestly, the same thing goes for A.J. Green when he gets out there and does 11-on-11. 11 11, and that's why I kind of think it, it would be good uh, for Burrow and for the rest of these guys to all be out there when they scrimmage next Sunday on August 30th uh, to, to just have everybody out there. Uh, so they can go through everything and, and get used to each other. So I think it was part of that, and, and I just think he was a little off today. It, it was it, it sort of reminded me of Tuesday, last Tuesday, when he went through red zone, and he was 6 of 12, and he had the fumbled snap, and he had the one interception, which was batted, much like one of them on Sunday. And, and it's just it, it's one of those days. But to me, and this is the key part about Burrow, and I know we've talked a lot about it, He's probably attacking it in, in film right now or, you know, or doing whatever he needs to do right now as we record this the same way he did on Friday after he blew everybody's doors off and yeah. had the successful scrimmage and everyone was praising him. I don't think he gets too high or too low. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if 24 hours from now when we record this, we're talking about how good Joe Burrow looked. Yeah, I think that. If that's a pattern that emerges, I'm totally okay with that, especially in practice, right? Because there's always a possibility that he's just trying to push things and see what he can get away with, with NFL speed, with NFL defenders. It is interesting to me, though, that this is really the first day that I've seen the sacks reported. And so I wonder if they're going to start calling that a little bit tighter. I'm not sure. It was interesting to me, though, because I read Bush Hobson's summary of the day, summary of the training camp day over on Bengals.com. And in the same article where he's talking about, yeah, Joe Burrow saw more pressure today. He also said that coaches think that Bobby Hart is, is, is in better shape. They think that he's improved and I'll believe it when I see it. And they also said that 
Mike Jordan might be the most improved offensive lineman. And we have at least one data point that kind of backs that up, which is he got the best of Mike, jo- uh, Mike Daniels, sorry, a couple times today. He did. And that was one of the times where Mike yeah. Daniels came off the field angry. And honestly, I have been impressed with Mike Jordan and what I've seen out of 60, because a lot of those, t- a lot of the times during these one-on-ones specifically, and that's when I can really watch because it's hard on the 11 on 11 to watch offensive line, defensive line matchups. But in the one-on-ones I've seen, he really uses that length in his strength and that physical ability. I, I don't think he's, He's losing physically much, even when he does lose to the Geno Atkins, because Geno Atkins pushed him way back mm-hmm. today and, and won really quick, the very next oh, rep. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, uh-oh, Geno's still that dude, uh, right after Mike won against uh, Daniels. So Jordan won, won against Daniels. But I do agree. I, I think I've been pretty impressed with him. Talked to Dave Lapham about that the other day. He was as well. And, and so, look, if Jonah and Jordan, you know, Jonah Williams and Mike Jordan can – be that left side of the offensive line, regardless of how the right side is, at least you feel really good about the future of one side. And when's the last time you felt good about an entire side of the Bengals offensive line? It's got to be 2016, right? With Mm -hmm. wit. (laughs) And before that, I I don't know when. So that's, uh, that would certainly be a good sign. Well, and even then you had Russell Bodine in the center. So you, you, I mean, yeah, you can feel good about the left side, but when I think left side, I think Hopkins over. And if you can get center all the way to left tackle and you feel at least okay about each of those positions, then you're probably in good shape. I mean, Hey, Trey Hopkins, give him a shout out. I saw a video of him actually holding his own in a one-on-one with DJ reader today. Not that he's going to be in that situation very often. DJ Reader's really, really good, but good for Trey Hopkins to bounce back and, and kind of win some of those with, with reader it's been an up and down camp. It sounds like for a lot of this team, it sounds like the defense has had some struggles early in camp. So it's nice to see them have a bit of a better day today. LaShawn Sims and Winston Rose, both getting interceptions off of Joe Burrow. Good for them, right? Winning, trying to win that, uh, that roster spot in the cornerback position. Good for uh, some of the offensive linemen stepping up a little bit. So not a good day for Joe Burrow necessarily compared to you know the scrimmage compared to some of what we've gotten used to but the players are still really impressed with him so it's hard to be too worried about that yet and a good day for a lot of other guys and for health and the the one thing that i got a lot of when i posted the the post scrimmage recap video that i did i was there was a lot of people uh and i posted it on youtube a lot of the commenters were like Oh my God, this defense must suck if this rookie is slicing and dicing them. <laughs> this defense is horrible. And, you know, that's very simplified. And we're talking, you know, it's a ridiculous take. But now those people can be quiet because the defense put up a fight on Sunday and they played really well. Oh, but now it's the offense is terrible, James. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that a one. good sign, though? Like if they, if they change like back and forth and they're like battling each other and one day it's good and one day it's bad and it isn't. Joe Burrow's just inconsistent, but it's the defense is winning some days and the offense is winning some days. I think that's probably a good sign. I don't I don't think that would necessarily be a, a bad sign for either unit. It's it's either good or it's bad or it's nothing. And I, I don't think there's a way to know until we start to see some some games in a few weeks here. A lot going on in the NFL today, though we had some lab issues in new jersey we have movement in the afc north and a former bengal finds a home we'll get into all that coming up next 
Let's wrap up this Monday episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast by taking a look around the league, James. We haven't really talked very much about what's been happening outside of the Bengals and outside of training camp in a couple of weeks now, which makes sense, right? We've had camp to talk about, and Joe Burrow is a very captivating story. But it was a very busy Sunday news day in the NFL in general, and there are ramifications for the Bengals. And so let's get started by talking about the issues with COVID tests. The lab that processes tests for the NFL in New Jersey, which I guess was processing tests for teams in the Northeast because this wasn't an issue for the Bengals today, but it was an issue for the Browns and for the Steelers and for a bunch of other teams over in that part of the world. The Bills said that they had 10 teams in the NFL affected by a lab that may have just a bunch of false positives because all of a sudden, after... The NFL's testing was going really well, and they're having a really low positive test rate. A bunch of positive tests come out, and now the NFL is investigating this lab to try to find out, is there a lab error happening? Because subsequent tests have come back negative, and the tests that they're using, there's no way statistically for a false positive rate to happen this way unless there was some sort of significant error. So the question, James, becomes... If this happens on a Sunday in the regular season, are you shutting down 10 teams? I mean, that's the concern, right? Like, what do we do if a lab has an issue and comes back with 10 positives for 10 teams and suddenly have 100 positive tests, including potentially starting quarterbacks? And and, I mean, that just becomes a logistical nightmare. It does. And so part of this is going to be Thursday on, like on a normal game week on a Sunday, I think either Thursday or Friday, and I think Tom Pelissero had this. You're going to have your pregame test on Fridays, it, it, and yeah, and and that's when you take it. And then if there are any, you know, if, if someone does test positive, then they, they basically take another test to see if it's a potentially uh, you know a false positive test because you cannot have Tom Brady or Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow, or Joe Burrow, or no any quarterback, and, and not just quarterbacks. Like think about Tyreek Hill cannot be out suddenly for the Chiefs as they get to play Baltimore in what could literally decide the number one seed in the AFC. You know, that completely changes everything. So they need to be accurate with this. And the the test, look, they are shaky at times and there is a chance for false positive. We've seen it multiple times now. Matt Stafford was one of the examples. And so the way to really counteract that is more testing. And, and that that's really the key to professional sports, specifically outside of a bubble, thriving is a lot of tests, a plethora of tests, the accuracy of tests. And so I wouldn't be shocked at all if they have a almost like a bubble like situation where Thursday night, you know, instead of having in-person walkthroughs Friday or whatever before they go or Saturday, they they do all that essentially virtually and then they do that after they travel and and you're literally almost put and maybe they'll do this like let's say the Bengals host the chargers week one on that thursday they do their pregame test and then they go to a hotel and they're kind of quarantined until game day i i would not be shocked at all if they try to do it that way or, or friday it might not be thursday i'm just but 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 there there's a scenario i think where the nflpa might push for that in the NFL might agree to it and it'll cost money, but you've got to keep these guys healthy. And the only way to do that is to, uh, is to keep them, you know, away from COVID and, and keep them 
keep the negative tests rolling in. Yeah, that that's kind of my thought too. Why can't you? I, I know you can't isolate the players entirely, and and they're adults and whatever. You can't control them, and and we're not going to set up a football island. But I I think that the idea of kind of moving moving bubbles where where the team is really you know you're you're you you can have your family with you but you you, i guess that's where you you have some breakdowns because the kids have to go to school or something or your wife has to go to work but the the idea of these mini bubbles makes a lot of sense like the thursday to sunday thing you, you stay in the team hotel you don't have contact with anybody that has contact outside of the team and if there's a if there's a test that comes back well now it's been isolated that that makes a lot of sense. So we'll see how the teams approach it. And I recognize that we're not going to restrict the movement. Like the NFL doesn't seem keen on restricting the movement of these grown adults, but there's a lot of money for players, for owners at stake here. And mm-hmm. with, with four teams, by the way, saying they're letting fans into stadiums, the chiefs over the weekend, let players, let, let fans in to watch some of their camp practices and, Reports, of course, immediately were that that fans were taking off their masks. So that doesn't bode well. But four teams are saying they're going to allow some amount of fans into their stadium. So there's there's a lot going on here, a lot of moving parts as we get to the regular season. Speaking of moving parts, James, Earl Thomas on the move out of Baltimore, where after he got into a fist fight, punched somebody, he is he's he's been released on Sunday and there were some talks that they were going to try to trade him and Dallas was maybe interested, but instead Earl Thomas has been released. There's a, there's a cap hit for Baltimore and I'm glad that Joe Burrow will not have to face Earl Thomas (laughs) twice this year, maybe once if he goes to Dallas, but Earl Thomas still has it as a coverage guy. And before you ask, I don't think he makes sense to come to Cincinnati. So don't ask, but it's a good thing for the Bengals to get him out of the division. I think. It's huge. It's huge. And I agree. He doesn't fit in Cincinnati, but you look at that secondary and you had Marlon Humphrey you had to deal with Marcus Peters, right? Jimmy Smith and Earl Thomas. I mean, I I thought the Ravens had the best roster in the NFL and part of it had to do with that secondary. So you take away, I believe is a three time all pro seven time pro bowler. And that matters. Not only does the cap hit $5 million this year, $10 million in 2021, but it, it will be at least a little easier going up against Chuck Clark, who was the guy Thomas uh, allegedly punched in the face. You know, a Deshaun Elliott, Jordan Richards, those those safeties. I think Joe Burrow will be much comfortable going against, much more comfortable at least. And, and it it makes the the favorite in the division. They're still the favorite, no doubt about it. But it makes them a little less talented. And I think that's that's important here. Maybe it makes their chemistry better. But their high-end skill level and, and high-end play on the field, it took a hit when they released Earl Thomas. Yeah, you call it a huge deal. I would I would assess it as like a moderate blow, and that's what I tweeted. I, I don't think it's massive. I think that the Raven it's just one player, and he's good for sure. And he has a he has a nose for the football, and he's uh, very disruptive as a, as a coverage defender, but. I think that the Ravens have a lot of talent in their defensive backfield. And if any team is going to find just some dude to step in, maybe they trade a fifth round pick for somebody in in true (laughs) Ravens fashion. They always do that. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So I'm not convinced this is going to be a massive deal for them. And we'll, we'll kind of see how it plays out. We'll see if they have some issues 
in the middle of that defensive backfield. The last note of the day is former Bengal Dre Kirkpatrick, who many of you thought, oh, he might be coming back to Cincinnati after Trey Waynes was injured, is instead expected to sign in Arizona. And he might have already signed already by the time you listen to this. So Dre finds a new home in the desert. He reunites with Vance Joseph, former Bengals defensive backs coach. And good for Dre, you know, hope he does well out there. And he will not be coming back to Cincinnati. And they're trying out guys, really more depth guys than anything. But it's clear that the Bengals are looking to bring another body in in that defensive backfield, judging from today's tryouts. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're back at you tomorrow with more news, notes, and updates and observations from Bengals training camp. Until then, Bengals fans, a hoo day, and have a good one.